You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. All right, keep your Bibles out. And here I know I'm looking at the clock back there. And I'm not going to do anything about it, but I'm looking at the clock. Uh, so no, we, uh, uh, I do recognize that it's a little bit later than when I would normally get up to preach. But I want you to grab your attention, uh, look with me, if you would, at verse number 46. Uh, the Bible says, And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple. Now just stop and think with me. Can you imagine as a parent if for three days you have been looking for your child and could not find him? You talk about, as Brother David talked about, a little bit of anxiety. Yeah, I'm sure that there was some anxiety there. And then as soon as they found him, it went from anxiety to anger. Uh, and uh, that's, uh, th they were human, just like what we are. And here, uh, they, they were looking for him for three days. And they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. So here now, you have a 12-year-old sitting in the temple, and speaking, communicating with the elite. Speaking and communicating with the educated. These individuals were not just passive people in their faith. We're talking about people that knew the Word of God. They would gather to discuss and to have discourse about what Scripture would say and and the Lord here is sitting them, sitting there listening, hearing them, and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So now, not only was he asking questions, he was giving answers as a 12-year-old. How often do we disregard a 12-year-old? I mean, after all, we're older. After all, we know more. And yet now this 12-year-old is having a, a discourse, a conversation, and he is asking questions, and he is being asked questions. He is giving answers. And when they saw him, talking about Mary and Joseph, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou de thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And here, when Mary was talking to Jesus, he, she asked him the question, uh, Wist ye not that I... Uh, he said... Uh, uh, he said, uh, uh, she said, behold, thy father and I have sought thee, uh, F, small f, father, uh, that we had sought thee sorrowing. But Jesus' response was, wist ye not that I must be about my father's business, capital F, talking about his heavenly father. And here the Lord, uh, we only find glimpses into his life when he was young. 
uh, we find the promise of Jesus' conception of the Holy Ghost in Luke chapter number 1, verse 34 and 35. Uh, we find Jesus in a manger in Luke chapter 2. And then we find him a little bit later in that same chapter as a young child fleeing to Egypt, being under two years old. And then we find him coming back uh, into Israel after the death of Herod. And then in our Texas. Uh, text this, uh, this evening, we find Jesus as a 12-year-old. And after this point, we won't see another glimpse into his life until he's 29 or 30, just starting his earthly ministry. Matthew Henry said this, the Jewish doctors say that 12 years old, children must begin to first fast from time to time, that they may learn to fast on the Day of Atonement, and that at 13 years old, a child begins to be the son of a commandment, that is, being obliged by the duties of adult church membership, having been from his infancy by virtue of his circumcision, a son of the covenant. And so here, when you look at uh, Jewish children and when they reach that age of 12 and into that years of 13, there were some major changes that were going on in their life. And there was an expectation that they were going to be preparing for the rest of their life. The teenage years are those years. We don't find teenager in the Bible. We find young people, that, young adults. We find young person, but we don't find teenager. Teenager is a classification that has been given to a group of young people who are in their teen years. Uh, and it's almost given to a group with the expectation that they are going to just live uh, to please themselves. They're just going to be frivolous. They're just going to uh, have fun before they go into adulthood. But if all they did as young people was have fun, they're not ready for adulthood. They're not prepared. And when we look at the Lord Jesus as a 12-year-old, we find a great example. Now here we've got some of our young people and they gave some testimonies tonight and I'm so thankful for that. Uh, but in these silent years uh, of 12 to uh, ministry uh, of the Lord Jesus, we, just, uh, we find that these were formulative years. But in these silent, uh, silent years, we know that these years were not wasted years. They weren't wasted. They were formulative there was teaching, and then there was training. And then there was some more teaching, and then there was some training. And then there was some more teaching, and training, and trusting. And then teaching, training, trusting. And then, eventually, there comes to a point where we are just trusting that they will take all the teaching, and all the training, and embrace it for themselves so then they can live the life that God has for them. And so here when we look at that, uh, we think about our young people and our teenagers. They, they do not have the responsibilities that they will have in adulthood. Though we are preparing them for that. 
Uh, they don't have to worry about work. They don't have to worry about a career. Uh, they don't have to worry about their financial independence or marriage, child rearing. Those are things that they are not uh, dealing with at this point of their life. But they are being prepared for those things in their life. Uh, school's coming. School's coming. Uh, and you know what? Uh, we need to be prepared for school. Amen. You know, summer is here, and when school gets here, sleeping in till 2 o'clock because they stayed up till 2 a.m. is not going to work. So what has to happen? We've got to make some changes before we get there. That has nothing to do with the message. That's just what the Lord gave me right now. You know, preparation for life. We are preparing. Parents, we need to be preparing our kids for life. If all of a sudden we get to the first day of school and they have been going to bed at 2 a.m. and they've been getting up at 2 p.m. because they stayed up all night playing video games or, or, or uh, doing whatever they do, if, if that is part of their schedule now, we are setting them up to fail just in a couple weeks. You see, that's part of being a parent is we've got to prepare them for what's coming. Life is coming, and we want to make sure that they are ready for that. Uh, so, uh, you know, we need to make sure that that's happening. Uh, but the, the, if that's going to happen, that means mom and dad have to have a schedule. And if we're going to have a schedule for the kids, then, then parents have got to have a schedule as well. Uh, so, uh, you know, when we're... When we are uh, looking at, at the Lord here in this uh, young time of his life, uh, we see that he got to this place and it was not on accident. It wasn't just one day, all of a sudden the Lord came into enlightenment and now he had the ability to sit and, and have dissertation with these doctors. He was being taught, there was education that was going on, preparation that was going on. And so uh, now what we find is he was being prepared to do his father's business. Tonight, uh, I want to just speak to you on the subject, let them grow. And I'm talking about our young people. Let them grow. And let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, thank you for all the blessings that you have given to us. I pray that you would just lead us, guide us in these next few moments, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. Years ago, uh, when I was a youth pastor, I took a, 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 a bunch of teenagers to a conference up in Seattle. When we went to this youth conference, there, was, uh, there were some, uh, the, the conference speaker preached some amazing messages, and, and the young people were making decisions. We had one young man that came home, uh, and during that conference, he had, he had surrendered his life to preach. And he was so excited. I think he was probably about 14 years old. And, and he, was, he was excited about this decision. He felt like the Lord wanted him to preach. He makes this decision. And uh, there were some other decisions uh, that were made as well. But uh, we finally, we got back home and uh, we got off of the bus. And the parents were there to pick the kids up. And this young man uh, ran up to his mom and, and told her that he had surrendered to preach. And this lady started laughing out loud. 
It was unbelievable. She looked at her son and said, you can't even make your bed. You think you're going to be able to preach? And she went on a tirade attacking the character of this young teenage boy. You know, as that teenager, I, I went over, I tried to uh, change conversation and talk to mom, and hey, he made some decisions. He's still a kid. And, you know, we can try to help him through this. And as I, as I was trying to help change that direction, mom was bent on berating her son. You know that young man's not even in church. Not only is he not in the ministry, he's not even in church. You see, there was a decision that mom and dad had to make after the kids made some decisions. And how they responded was either going to be a response to encourage or it was going to be a response to discourage you know we have to be very careful you know kids are kids they make decisions to do things right they're still going to fail you know why because they're human just like you and me you know we have this idea because we teach our kids what's right, what's wrong. We teach them truth. They know what they're supposed to do. We know in our mind that they're not perfect, but we expect perfection. We expect that because they knew better, that they would always do right. Now, how's that work for you? The reality is, none of us can live up to that. And here, in these formulative years, there are decisions that our young people are making, and we want to encourage them so they can succeed. Isn't that what we want? We want to see them succeed. Uh, there was another young man that uh, was on that same conference, and, and this young man uh, was one of our bus kids. And he came to this conference, and he was, he was a rough kid. He... He was not your typical church kid. He was one of our bus kids and came out of a rough part of town. And uh, he had his gangbanger baggy, baggy pants on. And he had a muscle shirt. And he had an afro that was about this big. And he had a pick in his hair. And, uh, and uh, during that, that conference as well, the Lord got a hit, hold of his heart. And that young man... I can't remember if he surrendered to preach in that conference or rededicated his life. I don't remember the details. But what, what I do remember was that here, he now, he was wanting to get some more information. He was trying to get some mentorship. And, and with that, he went up after this conference was pretty much over, and he wanted to talk to the, the speaker. And I'm not quite sure why... Or what happened? I know the man, he's a good man. But he was too busy for this young man. He wouldn't give him the time of day. And I don't know if it was because of how he was dressed. He wasn't in a shirt and tie. I don't know if it was because of maybe how he walked. He had that gang slink 
if you would. I don't know what the deal was, but what I do know was the person that he was going to to give him some mentorship, some advice, was not willing to give him any time. He was hurt. He was hurt. But the blessing is, there were a lot of people that kept investing in him. There was a bus captain, Brother Juan Hernandez. Brother Juan's in heaven today. But Brother Juan just kept on investing in this young man. I don't know how many times Brother Juan kicked him off of his bus route. But he got kicked out of, off of the bus route I don't know how many times. Now, I don't know how many times I kicked him out of teen class. Get out. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was rough. One time we had a, a revival and we had a contest who was going to bring the most uh, visitors uh, for this, this conference. Uh, it was a, a revival and he brought, I don't know, 30 different gangbangers. We ended up having to call the police. We had a riot at church at the end of the service. Uh, they ended up busting out like 30 windows of the buses. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Uh, but he, he won the prize. He was pretty excited about it. His name's Royce Taylor. Brother Royce, he was, he was a teenager that, that when he finally got going the right direction, we had a bunch of youth. Our, our bus workers, every week we'd take up an offering. Our bus workers put him through the Christian school. We had people that were loving on him, caring about him, and he just grew and grew and grew. Today, he's, uh, uh, well, last year, Mrs. Brown and I had the, the honor of flying down to Texas so we could be a part of his ordination service. And he's the, he's the bus pastor, the outreach pastor for, for a, uh, a big church down there in uh, Levon Drive Baptist Church down in uh, uh, Garland, Texas, and uh, just still serving the Lord. I talked to him on the phone uh, last night, and he was, uh, it was 9 o'clock here, and he was still working his bus route. He was still out on the streets talking to the kids and get, to get them to church, uh, and that's two-hour difference. So it was 11 o'clock in Texas, still working his bus route. You know what? He was a bus kid that got reached by the bus ministry, and he's still reaching people. You know, what a blessing. But it all started as a teenager. It all started as some decisions that he made as a young person. And, you know, we have an opportunity to either encourage and help, or we have that opportunity to sort of stifle the growth uh, of our kids and stifle the growth of those that are trying to serve the Lord and, and making decisions. And, you know, as we, uh, we endeavor to help them uh, succeed in life, we need to make sure we are letting them grow, uh, not hindering them. Uh, here he said, how is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? You know, at 12, Jesus wasn't going to the cross yet. At 12, he wasn't paying redemption's price. At 12, he was still about his father's business. You know what that tells me? That, that tells me our kids can do something for the Lord. Amen. 
And you know, as adults, we need to be encouraging that. We need to make sure that we are not uh, hurting them or stopping them uh, from serving the Lord. So I'm just going to give you several observations. We're sort of going to just take a walk for the next few minutes, uh, not really going anywhere special. But I want to just give you a couple observations. If we are going to let them grow, I want you to see, first of all, number one, love them. Love them. Love them. When they make mistakes, love them. When they, when they have wins, love them. Uh, when they're struggling, love them. Just love them. There's something about love uh, that makes the difference. Someone said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And all of us need to have some real, genuine love for our kids as well as for our teenagers and just loving them. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Uh, the Bible says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. What is that charity? Charity is love. Uh, the greatest of these is love. So what do we need to do? We need to love them. If we're going to let them grow, love them. If we're going to let them grow, number two, lead them. Lead them. That's that mentoring and modeling. That is us being the example. Brother Josh and I didn't talk about what we were going to say tonight, uh, but exactly what it is. He challenged uh, everybody to be the example, and that's exactly what we have to be. Uh, we are to lead them. And some, you say, well, pastor, uh, my kids are all grown, but there's a lot of other ones that are looking for some people, for some mentors, uh, for some people to just model what Christianity is. And whether or not your, they're your kids or somebody else's kids, we need to be helping lead them. All of us need to lead. We need to be that example. Many things in the Christian life are caught. They're not taught. You know how we catch it? We just watch others doing what they're supposed to do. And it, it helps us. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 10 and 11. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. What was Paul doing? He was writing to young Timothy, and he was saying, listen, you've watched the model that I've set for you. He says, I've already modeled all of these things. I've modeled how to deal with persecution. I've modeled how to deal with suffering. I've modeled the doctrines, the teaching, the lifestyle. He says, I've already showed that. Why was he pointing it out? He was saying, listen, don't ignore what you have been You've been what you have seen. Uh, follow what you have seen. Now, Paul could say that because he lived it. We have to live it. If we're going to be able to model it, we've got to live it. But we can't just live it on Sunday. We've got to live it on Monday, and Tuesday, and Wednesday. Every single day, we've just got to model it. Now, what can we do? We need to be that example. We need to be engaged uh, in their life. There has to be time. You've got to put time in. Dads, it's not enough just to provide. You've got to put time in your kids' life. You'll never be able to go back 
and have a redo. You've only got once. You know, you're going to work somewhere forever. That emergency at work, it'll still be an emergency tomorrow. The reality is, there's always something to steal your time. There's always going to be something trying to grab your time and attention to keep you from where you need to be. Be engaged. Be engaged in the life of your kids. Be engaged. Be be involved. So be engaged. And if we are going to be that example and lead them, then we've got to be engaged. We've got to be engaged. If we want them to serve the Lord, we need to serve the Lord. If we want them to be edified, we've got to be being edified. We have to put ourselves in a place where we are growing, where we are learning, where we are being taught, where we are being sharpened. Uh, I can't lead them if I am not being led myself. I've got to be going the right way. You can't lead from a static position. Leadership infers that you have to be in motion. You have to be going somewhere. And so here, we need to be that example. So be engaged, be edified, and we have to be encouraged. We have to be encouraged. Because why? If we're discouraged, then we're not going to encourage them. You see, not only do we need to lead, love them, not only do we need to lead them, love them, lead them, thirdly, we need to let them. Let them. Now, you parents that had the seventh graders, first time a camp, you let them go. I'm proud of you. Because that's hard. That is not an easy decision. I remember as a youth pastor, and I had to come back and apologize to the parents. Because I used to think, Man alive, these kids are they're growing up, they're getting into high, getting out of high school, going off to college. Moms, dads, just cut the apron strings and let them go. They're adults. And I believed that until mine hit high school. And then all of a sudden everything changed. And after that, that uh, after David uh, graduated, at that point all of a sudden there was a whole new light that came on in my own life. And I did, literally, I went back to the church and I told the parents, man, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> how I was just telling you just to cut the strings and let them go, it's not quite that easy. And those of you that have young kids, uh, just uh, hang on because here it comes. Uh, but, you know, there are some things that we need to let them do. We need to let them be engaged. So if we are going to be engaged to lead them, now we need to let them be engaged as they are following our leadership. If all we let them do is to be an observer, when they graduate from high school, they'll walk away from the ministry. They have no buy-in. They have no investment. 
They have nothing there that is holding them. Uh, They have not seen their faith. They have not exercised their faith. And if you do not exercise your faith, it will be weak, just like our, our muscles. If we don't exercise our muscles, we don't use them, then they are going to get flabby. They are going to get weak. They need to to be exercised that we can grow. And the same thing with our faith. We need to lead them, but then we need to let them. We need to let them be engaged. We need to let them be in a place where they can be edified. Now, that won't happen if you're not staying faithful yourself. Moms, dads, you say, well, pastor, you know, it's just a few services that we miss. Just think about that. We might think, well, you know, I'm in church. A lot of other services. And what we find is that if it's, if it's hit and miss with us, the next generation is only going to take part of our faith, and then they are going to take another step. And it's not going to be to the right, it's going to be to the left. And what happens is they take part of your faith and then they develop part of their own. And it's not normally in a stronger position, usually it's in a weaker position. And we don't know what service it was that was going to work in their hearts. You know, uh, Carolina got saved. And I'm so glad she did. But you know what, if she wasn't at camp, and she wouldn't have been in that service, there might not have been that softened heart for that time to make that decision. And that could be all of us. That could be these little ones that haven't made decisions yet. There are some some very real things. We need to let them be engaged. We need to let them be edified. But they can't be in a place of being edified if mom and dad aren't making sure that they're there. So if we are not choosing to place them where they are going to be edified, then, then we are not helping them in that area. It doesn't matter how much we know. It's whether or not they're getting it for themselves. Your faith helps you, but they have got to have a place where their faith has impacted them, that they embrace it themselves. So let them be engaged. Let them be edified. Let them be encouraged. Let them be empowered then to take the faith that they have been given and that they have embraced and allow them to have opportunities to serve. And you know what a wonderful joy it is to see the kids serve the Lord. What a blessing it is to be able to watch as they are uh, involved in spiritual things. The Lord said, uh, he said at the age of 12, he said, uh, wish ye not that I must be about my father's business. Uh, it, it helps them. We need to make sure that our kids have opportunities to be able to serve the Lord. Uh, and, and here, If we are uh, allowing our kids to be engaged uh, in spiritual things, what are we going to find? We will find that it gets them involved uh, in spiritual things. It gets their minds off of themselves. You know, one of the wonderful things about bus ministry was for our teenagers to be engaged and involved in bus ministry. 
You know, you know why it was so important? It was important because then they had an opportunity to be able to share the gospel. They had an opportunity to be able to uh, invest in somebody else. Uh, but it also helped them see that everybody doesn't have it as good as they have it. That's why missions trips are so wonderful. I think it was in 2004, uh, took David on a missions trip. Uh, he was still a teenager and, uh, and pretty, pretty self, self-consumed at that stage in his life. We went down to Mexico. And all of a sudden, looking around at these shacks. It was, it was unbelievable. We... We were walking through these streets and the powder was about that deep and you'd take a step and it would just float in the air. But there was no sewer system and they had all these, these little houses, just hubbles, just little huts. And they couldn't have been maybe a 10 by 15 and they had bricks up to about this high. And then they'd have street signs laying across the top of them. And they had cans that they were dumping sewage right into the road and all that was going down into the the streets there and every time i took a breath i thought oh no i just breathed breathed in all that bacteria you know we we get to see how it is in the rest of the world and we realize man we're pretty blessed You know, having our kids serve the Lord, it's important. Moms, dads, it's important for you to be engaged in serving, but it is just as important for you to get your children engaged in serving. Why? It's going to help them have a spiritual mindset. It will get their minds off of themselves. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Master, which is the great commandment in the law, and Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. You know, serving other people, loving God, and loving others. And God says, if you can take just those two commandments, you could sum up all the commands in the Bible in those two You know, we need to be teaching our kids to love the Lord. And we need to teach our kids to love others. And doing so, what will we do? We will let them grow. Let them grow. And, you know, that's what we all need to do. We need to let them grow. We need to let them not just grow up, but we need to let them flourish and allow the strengths that the Lord has empowered them with to be able to serve. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for just the great night we've had so far, the, uh, the, the uh, young people, the testimonies, the challenges. I pray that you would help us, Lord, not to, to take for granted all the wonderful things that we get to see you doing in our lives. And I pray that you'd work in our midst. I pray that you'd bless our families, bless our church, help us, Lord, to be a church that is truly vested and invested in the life of the next generation. And so I pray that you'd help us tonight to make decisions that would be pleasing in your sight. Uh, So help us now, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.
Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.